Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flywheel Nation community, go to flywheelnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. looking at what's the outcome that you're trying to move people to and look at it from what are the steps along the way. Really think about it from a methodical angle, how you want to move them forward and then step back and look at what is the essential information that I need to provide and work through that pathway. There's always this fear of, oh, but I've got so much to say. Like they have to give everything in, in one shot step back and think about it, that perhaps you're not building a course, but you're building a curriculum that's made up of several courses. And if each course is really focused and targeted and people can choose how much they want to, don't try to pack everything into one show. Hi. I'm your host, Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm really excited to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, all the way from San Carlos in California, that's on the San Francisco Bay, uh, Nancy Geary, who's a course creation expert. Nancy works with businesses of all sizes to bring their expertise into the form of high profit courses that actually get results that are engaging and are fun. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with you about that. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast today, Nancy. It's a privilege to have you as my guest. Well, thank you so much. It's my privilege to be here today. Now, courses is, has always been, and I guess this goes back maybe 10 years, maybe even more than that, um, there's been this push to say courses are a tremendous opportunity for people to generate revenue, to um, share their expertise and and to even build communities, which is one of the things I'm passionate yes. about as well. But a lot of the courses are pretty ordinary at best. And so I'm <laughs> looking forward to, to learning some more about how we can change that from you today. And I know from right. personal experience, a lot of the courses I've subscribed to, I got really excited that at the beginning, started out and maybe 10, 15, 20% into the course kind of lost interest in it because it was <laughs> just not that engaging or, um, yes. yeah, even though the, there was the value there that I'd, I'd anticipated or, or hoped for, but yeah. Now, before we get into all the course creation stuff, Nancy, what's the impact you're making in the world today? Well, I think the impact that I'm making in the world is that I'm really 
helping people to see that there is a, a better way to get their word out by helping them to come up with programs that are really, really engaging and showcase their brilliance so that they can really leverage their brand. Because oftentimes when people are building out content, they push it out quickly and they don't think about the potential impact on their brand. Hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. There's a couple of things you said there that I think are, they're almost um, at odds. I know I fall into this trap all the time. That's um, when you kind of unconsciously focused on, I need to show what I know. I need to showcase my brilliance, if you like, as to to use your words. And you kind of overwhelm people with information. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other side of that, of course, is taking for granted that that inside of all that overwhelm, there are tiny little snippets of gold that the creator, me, takes for granted. Right. Yeah, so talk to us a little bit more about how do we find that balance? Yeah, absolutely. Because there is there is a challenge when you have deep expertise. There's a tendency to either overshare or not share enough because you don't stop and think about who do you serve and where are they in their journey? So what, when they're coming into a program, what, what do they already know and what are they able to mm-hmm. do and where do you want to get them? So then to put your focus on that person and how you're going to close that gap, to really think about from the perspective of what do they really need to know in order to be successful and kind of push all the nice to know information off to the side that they can, they can go to and they can seek out more uh, information later if needed. You know, it's like there's the main road and then there's the scenic route. <laughs> And a lot of times when we're, except when we're traveling, um, when we're learning something new, we want to stay on that main road. Yeah. yeah I love that metaphor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, um, the one thing you said there that I think it, it, I guess what you're saying is it's really critical to know who is the audience, yes. where are they at in their journey right now? And mm-hmm. then what, what's the transformation or what's the result that I'm wanting them to achieve by consuming or learning about what I'm sharing here. Exactly. It's about them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it comes back a little bit to, um, I've had a lot of uh, speakers on and talking about the concept of speaking and um, overcoming fears of speaking and being an engaging speaker. And it's the same message. It's not about you. It's about them. Yes. Mm. I heard somebody say that oftentimes we can have an eye problem (laughs) in that we're saying, right? Yes. And it's not that we need glasses. And it's not that that we're both wearing glasses here today. (laughs) Mm. All right. Well, um, so if we understand... Let's say we understand our client, our audience, here's, here's who they are. We have a clear understanding of that. Here's where most of them are. Here's the direct route that we want to take them to the change that they're mm-hmm. looking for and what we can enable for them. How do we then put something together that 
doesn't have them kind of abandon the journey somewhere along the way because it is um, just ordinary or or there are other gaps in it. Right. Well, Well, the first step is then to look at your content and say, you know, given the journey that I want to take them on, what is it that I need to cover? So you look at what, okay, what are you going to provide? Then you get into the fun and the creative part about, okay, how am I going to do this so that it's going to be interesting and it's going to be engaging? Now, many people, just about everybody, uses a lot of video in their courses. And one of the challenges that I see over and over again and why there can be this, this fade is if you think about it, the way that we consume content whether it's through for entertainment or news, sometimes the news can be entertaining, but that's another topic for another mm. day. Um, but the scenes are changing quite rapidly. It's like every few seconds, there's a new shot. So I've come to believe that our brains are conditioned when we're watching something that it's going to be changing frequently. And then when we're in this educational moment, that the changes aren't happening and that causes people to fade. It's like our brain is waiting for something to happen and nothing's happening. And then that's when people kind of get distracted and go and look at other things. So the first step is to look at how many scene changes, if you will, can you put into your course? Now it can be as simple as you're on a screen and keywords are popping up next to you while you're speaking or a lower third comes up underneath you, or you have your, you have slides come up or, or images come up. So as you're speaking, it goes from you being on camera to a graphic, to keywords popping up and some combination. So because it keeps changing, that's, that's the first way that you can hold mm-hmm. interest. Now, before you even get to that point, when you're working on your video, you want to look at it from the perspective of what how much do I need to say to cover the content in as few words as possible? It's like preparing a speech where you want, you want to deliver it and you want to make every word count. And it's even more important in, in, in video because there's not the, there's not the, you're not in, you're, you're not making eye contact mm. with people. You're not reading the room. You're not taking into what's going on around you. It's just, you're just delivering it straight out. And what happened is in a lot of these courses that are so flat and boring, people just took their webinar recordings and posted those, right? Well, in the webinar, there's all kinds of things going on that the people watching the video don't care Mm. about. I don't care about anybody's questions that were in the live event. Sometimes you can't even hear them, right? Right. Mm. Exactly. I don't care about the banter. And when we're in a, when we're live, you know, we meet people where they are, which is fantastic mm. when you're live to be able to answer any type of question anytime and to be able to be fluid and be in the moment. But when you're transitioning to an evergreen program, that doesn't, it doesn't work. And it ends up taking two to three times as long sometimes to get your point across. And I, I will share an experience with you where this happened to me. I did a webinar that I wanted to record for the people that didn't make the program. And I forgot to hit the record button. I don't know how many people out there have had that experience, but I forgot to hit the record button, right? And there were a few people on there that I knew quite well. And they said, listen, we'll just stay here and we'll hang out. Just do it again. And you've got us as an audience to to work Mm -hmm. with. 
So I recorded it again and I recorded it in, I think somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes. Now the whole event was 45 minutes. So because I just straight up delivered the content and had my slides and everything else, I did it more quickly. And I think that the audience that got the recording probably was grateful that they just got the, you know, the essence of what was Mm -hmm. going on. So this is where I think a fundamental mistake that people have made is just taking their webinars and selling it as an online course. It's not an online course. It's a recording and there's nothing wrong with selling a recording, but you want to be clear and say, this is a recording of this Mm -hmm. event that happened on this day. So you set an expectation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I can relate to that. I'm I'm doing a course at the moment, which um, has has a huge amount of material, and much of it is structured. But during there is an ongoing component of this with three or four weekly coaching calls and group lessons and activities and so on, and the past events of of those types are recorded and are available to look at. And I've done that. I've gone through the sort of prepared part of the course and that's all been, um, as you say, pretty compact and held my attention. Um, But I've gotten into some of those webinars and it's kind of like I'm I'm not even sure what's going on here um, because you are missing a lot of that interaction and there's obviously questions being posted into the chat, which don't appear on the recording. So there's those right. kind of things, yeah. And you, you know, and and the modality is different. So the activities that you do with people in a webinar they're different than what you would do in an mm. evergreen course. So when you shift to evergreen, you have to think about well, what what can I put into place then have them doing as soon as possible. So you know, having the videos be short giving them personal reflection questions to answer, you know, watch the video and then answer these questions or provide them with a particular tool that they can use to apply. So maybe you're teaching people about how to create a, a, a sales funnel. You could go through the whole process of how to create a funnel, but then give them a worksheet that they can use to plan their hmm. funnel when they're done, or they can be kind of going through and uh, looking at that document and following along because there's a huge opportunity to look at it from the perspective of, you know, they're going to watch the video, they're not going to remember. But if you teach them how to use the tool, then they can apply the tool. That's more beneficial because I feel like right away I'm getting some value because you're giving me a skill that I can immediately apply. Mm. Yeah, that's a really important point is is that um, not just talking about it, but actually giving them something that they, they can learn and hopefully take away and do on their own um, once once yes. they've completed that module or that course. So w- what do you see as some of the biggest challenges that people face when they first start out on Course Crash? And I mean, we've talked a little bit about how to make it engaging and, and the sure. risk of taking webinars that are clearly for one kind of audience and and try to apply that to another type of audience or another type of um, scenario and not necessarily successfully. So what are are the biggest challenges that you see when, particularly when people are first starting out when they say, oh, I've got got all this stuff, I'd love to do a course. Right. 
Well, the, the first the first uh, challenge that I that I see or, or the, that people have is they don't have a clear sense of the outcome. So by the end of this program, people are going to be able to, you know, fill in the blank. What is it? They're, what are you going to? What are they going to be able to do? And then really, as, as I mentioned before, about really um, taking time to find out does their audience really resonate with the idea that they have. Uh, oftentimes people will say, well, I'll just sell it and then I'll build it. Or the other side of it is I got to make it perfect and yeah. then I'll sell it. And I think what you want to do is somewhere in between where you do some primary research mm. on the front end, talk to a half a dozen clients, run a couple of focus groups and do a survey and test out your ideas. And then you can go, okay, I know that I'm onto something here and you can move forward or you can say, I need to go in a different direction. I had somebody in a, in a program that I was running and she works in the copyright area and she wanted to put together a whole program. She was convinced this is absolutely what people needed about what do I do to protect myself, um, to protect myself from people stealing my IP. Mm. What was interesting is the people in the course said, yeah, we're interested in that or that were in the, in my workshop. And they said, but you know what? I'd also like to know what do I need to do to make sure that I don't do something where I take somebody else's information that I, in it, you know, you know, what, how do I make sure that what I'm doing is correct? Mm -hmm. So what that, that told her by just this little bit of primary research that really there were two, she needed to look at yeah. both ends of the coin. What do I do as a, as a content creator? And then once my content is created, how do I protect it? Mm -hmm. So that's where that comes into play. The other part that happens is people will either say, I've got so much content, I have no idea how to organize it. They don't have a sense of putting together a solid organizing schema to get from A to Z. Or they're like, I don't think I have enough information and I don't know where to begin. And that's where then you just you know, kind, of, kind of work through you know, fleshing out the idea. The next thing is people get wigged out by the, the technology, what about which platform to put it on. And I've seen so many people, they sign up, pick your platform, they buy it, they pay the monthly subscription, and they have it for months before yeah. they even upload any content. It's kind of like, you know, like a gym membership. <laughs> <laughs> you sign up in January, you're, you know, you're totally on it in January. And then, you know, okay. Uh, ask me how I know. <laughs> So what I recommend people do is look at what's out there and see what's, what features are important to you, get a sense of what's possible, then go off and do some of your work before you build it. So for example, if you want to have a strong community component, you're going to want to find a platform that's going to allow you to do that. It, it's really thinking about it and being prepared then for when, when it's time to, to pull, the, pull the trigger. And then another challenge that comes up fairly often is people are, they get nervous about, oh my gosh, I'm going to be on camera. <laughs> even though, even though we've been living on Zoom now for yeah. how long, right? Mm -hmm. There's this nervousness about being on camera. And some of it, it's almost like you, you look into the light and you're like, uh, suddenly that, you know, the most uh, interesting, fun personality, they just, they go flat when they think about that. Now I'm doing a video. Well, so it just takes some, some hmm. practice to just really get yourself um, comfortable um, with that. So that's where I see, you know, the big challenges. But for the, the, the one that really trips people up the most, though, is 
having a solid organizational structure that's easy to follow. Yeah. That makes sense that there's clear transitions from topic to topic to topic and that what you're doing inside of those topics, you're delivering great information, but in an interesting way. Mm. Yeah, that's... So that was a long answer. Lots (laughs) of challenges, yeah. It's a big question, though. Yeah, it is a big question. (laughs) The... um, I mean, we can come back to the um, being self-conscious on video and, and I guess it comes back to what you were saying earlier. It's not about you, it's about them. Um, but yeah. the the organisational one I think is a big challenge for many people, particularly if they have lots of material and maybe mm-hmm. this is where the the courses that throw in kind of everything in the kitchen sink and the steak knives as well um, that don't have kind of a clear structure or it's not clear as to what the non-scenic route is, what the direct path to the outcome is. Um, What what are your recommendations for building that structure or getting started with, with the right framework? Well, for, I think going back to looking at what's what's the outcome that you're trying to move people to, and then look at it from then what are the steps along the way to really think it, think about it from a methodical angle about how you want to move them forward, and then step back and and look at it and say what you know what is the what is the essential information that I need to provide and. Uh, work through that, work through a path, that pathway. There's always this fear of, oh, but I've got so much, I've got so much to say, like, like, I, like they have to give everything in, in one shot. And to, make, and to step back and think about it, that perhaps you're not building a course, but you're building a curriculum that's made up of several courses. And if each course is really focused and targeted and people can, you know, go, you know, at, um, it's not as overwhelming and people can choose how much they want to, uh, to move on. And, and that, you know, it's like, you don't, don't try to pack everything into one show. <laughs> but think about how can you, because then you've got, you have more to offer or step back and look at it and say, um, what could I offer people as enrichment content or think about it from the angle of the, there used to be, they're probably still out there, but, children a children's book series that was choose your own adventure Mm. so you would go you'd get to a certain point and then you would decide where you wanted to go next so you can give people the choice because somebody might go through and say well i I, this is great i've got four paths that i can take i'm pretty comfortable with path one and four two and three that's where i really need to go so you're you're letting people Mm. kind of choose how they need to um how they need to grow and develop and because adults like to be able to make those decisions about their, their, their learning. Mm. So it's, it comes back to kind of planning backwards almost in terms of yes. here's the outcome, yes. here's some key steps along the way. And part of that, and I love the, the choose your own adventure bit because I think in building that, that allows those of us that think we've got all this stuff that we want to give people um, allows us to know we'll park that one up on this path, on this tree, on this mm-hmm. branch, whatever you call it, and we'll park this other one on this branch and then building in those critical um, 
signposts, I guess, where people can say, exactly. yeah, I'd like to know about that one. This one I'm either not interested in or I already know. Um, so we'll skip that. And what I'll often, you know, the other uh, kind of challenge that I'll uh, see is people want to write the introduction first, <laughs> when in fact you should write the introduction at the very end, because at almost there's something about writing the intro first that it kind of pigeonholes mm. you. And then you're kind of, you're moving forward from there instead of thinking about, I've got, there's three or four, let's say, blocks of content that I need to put into this program. And then to build, go block, build out each block and then look at now, how do I assemble these blocks into the right order? And what do I need to do to tee up the first block and then make the transition between the next blocks and then write the, and then write a conclusion. And it's, it's just, it's an interesting way to, to think, but you know, I, but we're, we think because a course starts with an introduction that that's what we mm. should write first. When in fact you want to start at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the introduction's kind of like an overview of here's, here's what's coming. Right. And if you, yes, if you haven't written it yet, you kind of pre predefining what's coming. Whereas the other way around, you've got a lot more flexibility in terms of building the mm -hmm. course content and Absolutely. building the pathways. Yeah, because it's, it's it, and, it, and to think about it from an idea of an experience. Somehow like thinking of something as an experience has a different feeling to it than thinking of it as a course. Mm. That's a really valid point. And uh, there's a lot of, um, I've been reflecting a lot around this recently, in fact, in terms of everything I do right now and, and coming to appreciate the experience. And some of those experiences are not necessarily pleasant ones, but to reflect on it and say, well, that's, that experience is, has been valuable from some point of view is, is quite mm -hmm. a different philosophy. And I think looking at um, how can you create an experience for the course consumer, the, the student, um, yeah, the learner, learner, yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, a really interesting um, way to approach it. Um, do, do you find that people that have that mindset that that kind of sets them up for making much more engaging courses because they're focused on I the experience so. as well as the outcome? Yes, yeah. I think looking, thinking about what can I do to make it engage, you know, to make it interesting and. One of the um, places that I think where people might be missing out is looking at when they're building a course, how does it fit into their business model? Hmm. And be, because everybody's, oh, I can do this and I'm going to make millions and millions and millions. <laughs> My question is, how big is your yeah. list? Because like anything, it's a numbers game. If you don't have a very big list, it's going to be a real challenge to to generate, you know, huge, huge revenue from it you know, mm. a, a standalone online course. But if you look at it from the perspective, maybe you're a coach or, or a consultant, well, what can you do to build in your education to your process? So if you're coaching people, you could say, I want you to go, here's, we have this online course that goes with our program. And the first week, I want you to go through and do the first module. And there's an assignment at the end of that module. And then when we get together, whether you're doing it one-on-one -on -one or mm. in a group you can say, we're going to review that, that project and I'll give you feedback. 
So it allows you as a coach or consultant to work deeper more quickly, which means you have the opportunity to either serve more people or have more time for yourself or maybe a little bit Mm. of both. Yeah. The other thing I love about that process, um, and it's interesting, I was having this conversation with one of my clients and kind of more or less suggested that, but not not from (laughs) the point of view of where you've just alerted me to, which is... (laughs) By doing it in that way, and particularly if you're doing one-on-one or small groups, you get feedback on the content and what you have. So you'll get very quick feedback, first of all, from people saying, well, that was useless (laughs) or, well, that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that one better than last week's. Uh, Or it might be that as you're doing the work, you get the feeling that this this is really working well or it's not working well so you can make adjustments yes. on the fly for the program going forward absolutely well you know the, the journey that i went on in all of, in all of so I've, I've built programs for lots of people in my career and then i decided well what am i going to do for myself and i did a lot of programs on zoom and went through my process and tested everything out on in, in that context and got really solid in how do I take and convey what I do in a way that's going to make sense to the entrepreneurial market? Because it's different when I talk to somebody who's an entrepreneur as opposed to somebody who works in the learning and development department in a corporation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're at another level in terms because their expertise is in learning and development. So a lot of those those conversations are different because we have this baseline knowledge and way of communicating that uh, it, because we're all learning development professionals. Now, when I take it to the entrepreneurial market, it's a little bit different. And so I deliberately went through and did several programs and worked it and worked it and worked it. And then I thought, okay, from here, I can go and I can build out the online course But then I thought to myself, no, I'm going to write the book first, because when I write the book, that's all paper Hmm. (laughs) and I can do the structure and I can have beta readers tell me how the structure made sense. And the book is very much this is how we do it from end to end. And then I took that and then I shifted it into the um, into the online course format. And really, in in a lot of ways, the, the book was for me a content outline mm. to say, here's, yes. here's, here's what I'm going to cover. And, and then I, then I was able to take from this, I kind of, that's sort of the, that's the process that I chose to follow because it's a whole lot easier to edit something on a piece of paper than a video, or uh, there's different authoring tools that you can use, or you can create courses that have a, a much higher level of interactivity and oftentimes it's your it's almost um, can be like programming, mm. so it's more complicated yeah. to edit. So the whole thing, the further down, the further are you down the line, the more difficult it is to edit, and the more costly it is to edit. Mm. That's a really good point. I mean, whether people write a book or just, I mean, whether it's just a Google Doc outlining the the course content and but the, the, I think the important point is to get really clear about this is the structure I want and then test it mm-hmm. with, with some beta yes. testers, as you've suggested. And 
adapt from there. And I know looking at some of the platforms that are out there, um, wow, I mean, they're overwhelming because you can, you've got the course modules, you've got the exam questions, you've got the interactions, mm -hmm. you've got the lists, you've got the tracking stuff. And then if you have yes. branches like the Choose Your Own Adventure, then it, it just, it, it really is hard to keep track. And I know I'm doing a few of these for clients of mine and the only way I can keep track of them is to have a visual flow chart of what's happening. And mm -hmm. without that visual flow chart, I am totally lost. <laughs> I know, you know, and, and sometimes early on when you're just brainstorming and you're trying to figure out the structure, you know, here's, here's a great little tool right here. The old post-it post notes. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you put it on the wall, you put it on a piece of flip chart paper and you can step back and you can mm. look at it. And it's, it's really easy to move things around. And I've, I find having that visual representation is extremely helpful. And, and then you can, you know, but you want, I, I, one of my running lines with people is like, and uh, you want to make sure you get them off the wall and into your course before the glue comes off. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> then you're like, I, then you just have a mess on the floor and you're like back at the beginning. Yeah, I love it. So you've got to take action. <laughs> you got to move it forward. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, this has been, uh, Thoroughly enjoyable and really informative, Nancy. I think it's a good point now, though, to move on to the buzz, which is sure. our innovation round. It's the same five questions we ask of every guest. And um, the idea is you'll give our listener something else to be really excited okay. about, but most importantly, to take some action as a result <laughs> today. Okay. So what's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? I think it starts with intention. And to really, really be focused on what is it that I want to accomplish? And then kind of think about, well, and what makes me different? And why is my message, you know, if I'm a leadership expert, hmm. what makes my take on leadership interesting and compelling that people are going to want to go, huh, now that's somebody I want to hmm. follow. Yeah, that's, um, that's, I love that. It's, um, yeah, get really clear on the intention and, and be. I know somebody, her, she uses uh, stay in the game, stay in the game leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's a real simple phrase, but it's, it can get, you get, yeah. What do I do to stay yeah. in the game? Yeah. And it kind of says, so, well, no, I mean, I, I see a picture of somebody that maybe is about perseverance and resilience and yeah. So mm -hmm. it kind of paints your picture. But, if that's but it's short and yeah. it, if that's what she's about now. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right. And I know somebody who's Greek and she uses upa or opa. <laughs> I never get it quite right. But anyway, but, it, you know, but you remember mm. them because they've got like this one thing that makes them different. Mm. And it's, and it's not, you know, both of these, they're simple phrases, but wow, they pack a lot. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right. Now, what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas? The best thing that I've done to develop new ideas is to travel and take myself out of my normal environment. There's something about being in the, uh, just moving, getting away from my desk, even if it's just like going over to the ocean, which is a simple 45 minute trip for me, or going across the pond someplace special. There's something about getting out of this space at this desk that percolates things in my mind. And I, I can't go in some new and weird directions. Mm. 
Yeah, travel is always fun. And, and I like how you said, you know, even if it's just taking a drive to the nearby shore. Um, and yeah, I mean, I can I have, I drive, I'm sorry, I drive a Miata. So there's nothing like this little red Miata putting the top down and going for a little trip. I mean, that, even if I just go to the grocery store, I come back and I feel refreshed because I was just out and, you know, the fresh air surrounding me on a beautiful day. Yeah, I feel like that a little bit sometimes when I go out for a bike ride in the the fresh air, yeah. And you just, I mean, you see different things and you just, the mind's kind of prompted to, I don't know, think differently. It sparks different neural connections. Exactly. And then, you know, a problem that you maybe been percolating mm. on for days, suddenly it all becomes clear what the next step is you need yeah. to take. Yeah. All right. Now, what's a favorite resource you use most often? Well, lately I've been playing around a lot with ChatGPT. <laughs> and over the weekend, I learned about that now ChatGPT and DALI are mm. combined. So you can get images based on text, and some of them aren't as weird as they were when it first came out. But I have been fascinated with AI and yeah. what it what it can do and how it can uh, put me in a position where I never have to start with a blank sheet of paper again. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing. And it, it's developing so quick, like you said, with the images. So I, I'm doing a photo <laughs> exhibition. In fact, this afternoon I'm going to help set up the photo exhibition. But um, one of the things that I did, I wanted to write a more literary description of each of the images that we're exhibiting. And I thought, I don't know, I'm not real good at writing this. So I started off, I told ChatGPT, I have this image and I described what was in the image. I described the feeling that I had when I took the image. I described the lighting. I described some of the things I was that were going through my mind as I took the image. So that there's all this stuff that, that I've got up here um, when mm-hmm. I took the image and also when I look at the image, it's sort of other things come up. So I described right, right. all of that in sort of bullet list and I said, now give me a description of the image. And I was absolutely blown away at what it gave me because it, it was like it knew, it knew what the image was. And then blow me down, I did all this, and blow me down, a week later, I get a note, um, because I'm a, prof- a subscriber to the pro version, I get a note saying, ChatGPT can now read images. Uh, oh, what, is that? what does yes. that mean? <laughs> uh, well, you can just drag an image onto the little icon and yeah. upload it, and then you can quiz it about the image. And I thought, wow, that's, it. that's interesting. So now I upload the image, and I give it some information like that was going through my head, but I give it less information because I'm, I'm sort of lazy. I don't type in as much. And it comes back with the most amazing stuff. <laughs> it's actually looking at the image and saying, oh, this, it doesn't just say this is a picture of it's a sunset or something like that. It gives you... Yeah, here's yeah, a dog. <laughs> it actually gives you um, some really good context. It's just amazing. So that, that's that been my latest, <laughs> you know, in, interesting place to go and look for just information and 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 it it's it always needs to be personalized but it's a great place to have start. you tried using it to say you've come up with a course structure and you've got a clear outcome of putting that in there and letting it critique the um, what you've come up with 
what yes i've i've done that to see if do you think anything is missing just to see mm. what it what it says uh, i found one of the best uses has been for writing um, test questions mm -hmm. to say here's the here's the content give me 10 multiple choice questions or give me uh, if you want to do something where people are going to do more what i you know personal reflection where they're going to write down some notes I'll ask it to look at it and come back with the question. And I found that to be very useful. It needs to be wordsmith, mm. but it's, 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 it's a, it's a big time saver because I don't have to go back and read through everything again and go, okay, I'm going to ask this question. Mm. I'm going to ask this question. It comes back and it says, here's what, here's based on what you provided. This is what I think. Yeah. And I've, that's been a, that's been a huge time mm. saver. Yeah. And like you say, you do have to check it and wordsmith it. Yes, I think if people go and they look at it from a research angle about a topic they don't know anything about, that there's some mm. risk there. But if you go at it from the angle of your expertise, it's it's a way to just stimulate your thinking and for you to go, hmm, yeah, that that's right on. I was going to do that. I was going to do that. Oh, I'm glad you mm. mentioned that because I either yeah, forgot or I didn't know. Yeah. Mm, that's right. <laughs> mm. Excellent. All right. Now, what's the best way to keep a client on track? Uh, the best way to keep a client on track is to have regular check-ins, whether it's uh, a meeting, it could be a short meeting, it could be a 15-minute meeting, or to say, okay, every week, just tell, we, this is what we agreed to, you were going to do these five things or whatever the number is, report back on where you're at. I think there's something about that contact and putting deadlines in place that keeps people moving. Oh, this is due here. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to show up for that mm. conversation, and I have to tell her that my dog ate my homework. <laughs> I, you know, that's kind of what people are. Yeah. At. yeah, I think the um, there's an important point there. Even if there's nothing much to report or update, to still have that meeting and kind of review. Okay, we're we're on track, or everything's going smoothly. Or something nothing, happened. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, all Excellent. All right. And I think we've touched on this a little bit, but I'll ask anyway, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? The number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself is really think about what is your, your unique spin? How do you show up differently? Uh, some, you know, what's the crazy idea that you have that nobody else has? Um, and people kind of go, huh, how am I going to do that? I'm just a regular, I'm just a regular guy, or a regular girl. My life has been ordinary. I didn't climb Mount Everest. I didn't get, you know, kidnapped. I didn't have all these things happen to me. So what do I do? But what coming up, like what's relatable mm -hmm. and to think about, can you come up with an expression that's going to be memorable? So for me, it's bundle your brilliance. My other friend, uh, Linda McDermott is stay in the mm -hmm. game. So how can you like come up with just an interesting, simple phrase that people go, oh, I get that. I want to learn more about yeah. that. Yeah, that's really valuable. And it, it's, there is a kind of a reflection piece of that, isn't there, where um, there's this myth that, yeah, I, I have to have done something like climb Mount Everest or something really, yeah. really weird. All that, I had to get frostbite. Yeah, all that, all that, 
I was reading the numbers recently. The number of people that have climbed Mount Everest is pretty staggering. It's it's oh, it's not so it's, it's not, not that, that unique, unique actually. <laughs> but I haven't done it. That's funny. I, yeah. I haven't either. So um yeah, but the the myth that you have to have done something that nobody else or very few others have done to be a standout. The thing is that we can all we all have an inner circle that we relate to that we're close to and to define you know how can we why why is that our inner circle and what makes us Mm -hmm. attractive to those people and what value do we add to those people if we sort of reflect on those things i think we can come up with that that idea and to ask somebody how do you Mm. see me what do you think of when you think of me and you know are there common uh, words or phrases that show up that then you can, you know, perhaps turn into an interesting I don't know, tagline or lack of a better way of yeah. putting it. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, thanks so much, Nancy. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Now, where can people find out more about you, the work you do, and also the book you mentioned, and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared with us today? Yeah. So the, the best place to find me is at my website, which is nancygeary.com. And if you're listening, Geary is G-I-E-R-E. You can send me a message through that site. You can email me. My email is nancy at nancygiere.com. And if you are interested in my book, it's called Bundle Your Brilliance, Turn Your Expertise into Profitable Online Courses, and you can find it on Amazon. Mm, Excellent. And of course, as always, we'll have all those links in the show notes. So for people reading, they can click straight through, make it really easy. Exactly. All right. Now, Nancy, before we wrap up, what action would you like the listener to take away from today's episode? Something that they can turn into action today to make a difference in their lives. When you are ready to embark on your course, think about it from the perspective of the entertainment industry and how every, mo- every way that we uh, consume entertainment is different, whether it's a book, a play, a movie, or a TV series, each one of those has constraints and opportunities. So when you look at putting together your programs, minimize, really think about the constraints, but be creative inside of those constraints and leverage the opportunities. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Can you give us a concrete example of that? Well, I think when you start, if you're starting with a book, you look at your book and you think about, okay, how do I take what I wrote and turn it into something visual? Mm. So you can go through and you can look at it and you can, as you read it, go, okay, this phrase is this picture. This is now I'm going to maybe show um, a shot. If, if I'm talking about a thought leader, maybe the, the, the classic uh, thinker sculpture that's out there or r- really look at it. How can I, how can I, uh, you know, when we I'm backing up here, I believe when we're writing, we're painting a picture with mm. words. So now how do you take those words and turn those words into something that's visual, that's auditory. So it's really just running running through and looking at, okay, at this point, I'm going to show this image. At this point, I'm going to show this image. Mm. Yeah, I love it. It's, um, it's kind of like thinking about repurposing as you're producing that content. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. 
All right. Well, thanks so much, Nancy. This has been wonderful. Um, I really appreciate you sharing your insights and wisdom with us so generously today. And I've had a lot of fun and learned a lot about course creation and um, probably need to go back and look at some of my courses and, and see what I can. <laughs> well, you know yeah, who to call. <laughs> see what I can do to improve those. Thanks. Exactly. All right. All the best for the oh, future, Nancy, and please do stay in touch. All righty. Thank you. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash InnovaBuzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flywheel and secure your membership to the exclusive Flywheel Nation community where you will enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywheel Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.